On this episode of Another Way to See It, a very impromptu phone conversation turns into a podcast episode. Kim and Randy talk about wounds that we carry that often stem from our families. It's a very real and raw conversation that we are sharing with you. We hope that it brings you some insights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Another Way to See It podcast. I'm Kim Moran, joined by Tara Jones and Randy Poindexter. We're life coaches talking about issues we deal with personally and professionally, hoping to offer you some tips and tools that help you to thrive. I was talking to my dad and he was like, oh, Jeff said that you might come in town this weekend. I was like, yeah. And then we were talking and then he was like, well, I can always come out there just for the day or something. If you need help with anything, you just, you just got to let me know. And I was like, okay, well, I appreciate that. He goes, cause I just want to be in your life as much as I can. Oh, nice. But I got triggered because I'm like, where the fuck were you the last 34 years? Where were you to not remember my birthday till last year? Like that's what instantly came up. Yeah. So, so I was texting my brother after and I was like, I was like, man, dad said something that really, that really triggered me. And he was like, what was it? I told him. And he was like, he was like, yeah, I asked that question myself a lot. Like, where was he when we really needed him? And, and Jeff was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, well, right now that's not on my dad because he's trying to make an effort right now. It's on me. Mm-hmm. And how do I want to navigate it? Right. Do I want to, do I want to move past it a hundred percent, but is that going to take a conversation? But also, but then what comes up is, is, is he able to have that conversation? So let me, can I ask you a question? Of course. What is more important to you, the conversation or to have your dad in your life for the remainder of his life? It's really selfish, but I would want that conversation. Could you live without it for a while? I've already had. No, but, live- but, but could you live with him coming into your life, not having that conversation immediately? building a bond. And then when the bond is strong saying it hurt me that you weren't present when I was younger and you know, this, you're going to know what I, what I'm saying to you. If he could have been, he would have been. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. And so what is it that you want from him to admit that he wasn't strong enough or prepared enough or present enough? Cause you already know that. That that's why I think I need to sit with it is, is like, what, what am I wanting out of that conversation? Can you sit with it and have him present? Yeah, of course. I'm just saying selfishly, I want that conversation more because I want to be seen and heard. Right. But what I'm, what I would propose to you is that his invitation to help you is his attempt at seeing you now. I know. It doesn't make up for the fact that he wasn't there, but we only have a short time here. I know. That's why, that's why, like, that's why I just need to, to process it. And, and like, Jeff's always like, well, 
but well, I told dad how it was and I'm like, yeah, but it's your delivery, dude. Like you can't just snap on him and expect him to be receptive. Totally. Just like if I snapped on you, Jeff, what are you going to do? You're going to shut down and you're going to get defensive. Right. And, and to be honest, Randy, you understand because you've done all this work that if you could have been a better man before you would have, you didn't know how. Correct. And so what, all you can say to someone from your past is if I could have, I would have, I didn't know how I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think if, if I'm right, that's what you want to hear from your dad. Yeah, of course. Of and course. yet he still might not be there. Oh, once again, of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. So it's all of these things, which is like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of old now and I just, I just want to like be with people and I don't care what happened. I mean, obviously toxic people are not allowed, but if they're my family or my friends, then, you know, whatever happened, happened. I don't need to rehash it. I don't even need to know because obviously it's obvious through certain behaviors that there was something going on with that person that they were not able to do exactly like sort of show up for me the way that I wanted them to. And that's okay. I don't need to know the details. They've struggled with that. They've carried that weight. It's not for me. That's for them. Yeah. And to circle back around to like how this all started um, of men opening up around women of feeling like uh, they were betrayed or hurt or however the wound was created, whether it was an ex, a mother, a family member, you know, whatever. Um, Mine actually goes back to being hurt by my father. Mm. And so that's why I think the bond growing up with my mother was so strong is because that was a constant. That was what I needed, but I actually needed it from my father. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I always bonded easily with women. Mm. And, you know, even the girls I dated, the, the mothers always loved me. Like that was never the issue. And just like the other spectrum of, I've always became friends with older men mm. that became father figures to me that are still in my life that I would consider father figures. So my wounds come from the ex marriages, you know, the divorces and even after the first one, people are like, oh, are you ever going to get married again? I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to say yes or no to it. I'm going to let, just let, let life happen. And same thing with this recent one. Well, not recent, we're two years now, but even with that, I'm not opposed to love. I'm not opposed to getting in a relationship, but it's going to be on my terms now. And what I mean by that is I'm fully going to understand who I am and what I want out of my life without the external noise. And still you might get hurt. It's the, it's almost the inevitable, whether, whether you grow old with someone and they pass away, you're still going to get hurt. Whether you get a divorce, you're still going to get hurt. Yeah. With love comes hurt. Right. It's, it's, we always talk about it. It's the other side of the coin. 
And so I know that. But for once in my life, I have to stand firm on, I don't know 100% who I am. So how can I show up in a, in a, in a, a real relationship that means something moving forward without understanding that now? It was very wise. That's really interesting, the father wound. There's not a lot of talk about that in the men's side. Really? It, I haven't heard a lot around about it. Usually it's the wound of the mother. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, you know stats or or a hundred percent backup but just from what i've been around it's usually a female wound and that makes a lot of sense in this society mm -hmm. and so but for women a lot of times there's father wounds well, and I'll also say it's probably goes along with sort of certain demographic where many of the men are not there. And the mm -hmm. men that are the children, the young boys are being raised by women. And so I think it really depends on demographics, too. And what what is um, the wounded masculine energy that the, the mother puts off into mm -hmm. the, the young boys is. What is also affecting men through their teenage years and early adulthood, and they don't realize it until they start this work. And um, Tracy touched on it a little bit in a program I, I was in of hers, and it was just, I, I didn't know what the wounded masculine was. Mm. And I'm still, I'm still like unfamiliar with it, but enough to talk about it in this context is just that... Um, the mother had to take on more of the masculine energy to mm -hmm. provide both. And it wasn't pure. And when I went through that, that phase of the program, once again, it was an all female group that wasn't excluding men is just um, it's never come up for a, a male to join that program. And so it was around, uh, the, the faces of, uh, feminine energy. And so I, I, I went in open arms and open mind to, to see how it affected me. And being that I was raised by my mother, mostly, um, I connected easily to it. Mm-hmm. And then where I tried to pull back and relate was how does that show up on the masculine side of things, which is, you know, like the king, the warrior and, and same principles, mm -hmm. but, but different. And so that was just very interesting. And it, that's what kind of got me into the, you know, wounds and stuff is like, I wasn't hurt by my mother. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're all like, you're over there shaking your head as for, if I like, if I had to pick one, right. Like if I had to say which one was the dominant wound, mm -hmm. it would be my father. Yeah. So this is fascinating to me and I had no idea we were 
going to go in this direction. So it's so cool. Um, what does it look like on the male side that, you know, that, that, that wound exists? Like, how does that come out in you? Uh, it, it's a driving force. Mm. It was, um, so without going into too much detail, it was pretty much, I became an automotive technician, uh, as a rebel in a sense. And I didn't know this as a teenager, but looking back now and processing it all, I became a tech, uh, just because nobody in my family was one. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to compete with anybody. I stood out on my own. And then the driving force was now I have to be the best at this because nobody else in my family is. And also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like an approval thing, right? Like if I'm the best, you can't tell me that I'm not, you can't cut me down. You're going to have to see me. Is that part of it? Um, yes. Yes. Because like, okay. So I could have gone into the shipyard, which my dad and my brother are in and pretty much where I'm from in Virginia is you either go into the military or you go into the shipyard. That that's like the majority uh, percentage after high school. And then there's the percentages that go to college and, and whatnot. But uh, majority of it, people stay in that area and do one of the two things. And so I, I had no desire to do it because uh, it would be once again, me competing with my brother. And I've had to do that my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so competing with your brother for your father's attention. Correct. Yeah, correct. And so going into that, without knowing, right? Like there was this, this driving force of I'm going to be the best at this. So he can come to me to ask for my help. Mm, wow. And, and there, it, I don't have anything truly bad to say about my father. You know, he, he, we've had this conversation off air around this and and it, it's very true and i firmly believe it that if he if he would have known then he would have done it mm -hmm. if he could have mm -hmm. he would have mm -hmm. right so i'm not taking away anything from my father or my mother in this conversation because i wouldn't be where i'm at right now if it wasn't for those things to happen so you know, I, I just want to make that clear in, in this conversation that there's no, and there's been a lot of work around this. Don't let me shy away from that either. There's been a lot of work around um, understanding my childhood and, and how my parents are the way they are mm -hmm. and who they are. So, but that driving force was like, like instead of pouring like peroxide on the wound to clean it, I was like pouring gasoline to make it burn more, mm. to make me go further. And then 
like I peaked out. Like I, I became a shot foreman at 30, which is unheard of. I don't know anybody and all the people that I know in the automotive field has never known someone that young to be in charge of a shop. And so once I hit that, I noticed I started to pull back. I started to lose interest in working on cars. Mm. So it was like, I mean, there was, there was more places I could go in the dealership, but as far as like in the shop, the next step was like to become drive manager or service manager, but then that takes me out of the shop. Mm -hmm. But you talk a lot and now this is making so much more sense to me about the negative self-talk that you carry. And I wonder if you've been able to identify the voice, because we always talk about that negative self-talk comes from some place. And is it tied, that voice, is it tied to the father wound? Yes. So there's that book, How to Tame Your Gremlins. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that book right after uh, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, because I was already like fully exposed and vulnerable of all this stuff. So I was like, I might as well just keep rolling into it. And so my gremlin, my, my voice of that negative self-talk is, um, very clear in my head. And it's actually, the image comes from a video game I grew up playing, but it's, it's this older guy, um, like a man's man, right? Like blue jeans, white shirt is, his knuckles are wrapped up because he's a fighter, but, um, it was just pretty much a, a man's man, probably in his like thirties. And um, all this negative self-talk and like, of course you messed up and of course you're not as good as so-and-so. Um, I was finally able to, to like name it and put a face to it. And then to realize that it, it was the older male mm -hmm. that, I, that I wanted and that I strive to be. Mm. So it was actually a combination of the the father figures in my life growing up kind of all combined in, into, into one. And it's not like the, the, the male figures in my life were like mean or hard to me. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't get... I never got like, I got subtle, like jabs in a sense that like hurt me then, but then I repressed them. So I forgot about them. And then these books, like just brought it all back. Like I was six years old again. Mm -hmm. And so, but like, I didn't get, I was never abused. I never, you know, got told you're so stupid. You know, why did you do this and, and all that? But like, there was some tough love growing up as well. But I'd also say there's a little bit of abandonment stuff because, you know, you, because you were kind of not picked, right? I was, I was last picked in a lot of things. Um, mainly because 
Um, and this is not even in like the family realm, but like, like parties and, and sporting, you know, events because I was so small. But, but here's the funny thing is about that is I was only picked last once. Because after that, they knew what I brought. Right. And it, it's really funny, like you brought this up. Um, and it's just another funny story that um, my first dealership, so I was 19 at the time, and it was a younger dealership as far as like the techs and, and loop techs. And so there's like six or seven of us that came like pretty good friends. And come to find out there's like dodgeball uh, nights like in some small community on a tennis court. So we'd go out there and like, I knew nobody except for my buddies, but then they were friends with them. And the first night I got picked dead last out of like probably 30 people. Uh -huh. I was like, I was like, all right, guess who, guess who was the last one to not to get out and dodgeball and who won the game. And there you go. And then the next week we went out, I was first picked. Yeah. You know, so getting that abandonment that um, not being picked first and, and uh, getting picked last was once again, more fuel. Right. You know, I had little man syndrome growing mm -hmm. up. I, I was, I looking back and, and this broke me down one time um, reflecting on, on, on how I was as a kid to my so-called friends. Cause I was, I was always the smallest one. And, and I was, I was, a, I was an ass. I was a bully. I was a four foot 11 bully. That's so funny because I have a son who's like six, four now. Mm -hmm. And he was the biggest kid on the yard, like always. Right. And little people were taking him. And I was just like, Dude, it's only because you're the biggest one and they're the smallest one. Mm -hmm. And you, if they take you down, they get so much street cred. You just got to hang in there. And and that's how my brother was. We were exact opposites. I mean, he was a he was probably five six easily in middle school. Like people were like, "There's no way y'all are brothers." And, and, and so, like, I always had to compete against that. Okay. So how do you heal the father wound? <sighs> <laughs> There's no easy questions on this show. Well, it's either. not even that. It's like, how far do we want to go into this? I mean, the, the quick answer therapy, along with self-exploration, along with, um, you know, asking yourself the difficult questions of, of how it's allowing to, to manipulate and control you today, mm. which is a conversation we've had, mm -hmm. you know, of knowing that not everybody's going to do this type of work on themselves. And something that I've strived so hard in, in, in my lifestyle now and the work that I'm doing is, is not, not having any judgment of others. 
And so that's been a huge factor is, is accepting people for who they are, no matter what they are, whether I agree with it a hundred percent or not. So is it possible to heal this and how will you know when you're there? Well, I'm not there yet. Okay. How I can do you honestly, know how do you know that? Um, because I still get triggered by stuff and, and I hold on to it longer. And then I, sometimes I even resist processing it. Mm. So that, that shows me that I'm, I'm still have like my armor on around it to where I don't want it to, to penetrate into the heart to, cause the heart, the heart's going to know right? The heart knows. But the heart knows already. Whether The heart knows armor. already, but our mind, our ego mm-hmm. is what's, you know, keeping the armor up. And so I would say once I get to the point that like my ego is not involved and I don't have to process a lot and it's just like, okay, this was, this was said or done. Um, I'm still open. I still, there's nothing but love that's coming out versus mm-hmm. resentment shame, you know, frustration, anger. So, I mean, I I do believe when you'll know when you know, Mm -hmm. right. But I don't think, I don't think there's any timeline or clock that's going to tell you. I just ask because it's, it's not specifically for men. I just ask because you know we're on this path and like, how do we know when we get there? And I really liked your answer. It's that things will happen and you'll still remain open. Ultimately, I think along the way, you do notice that things happen. You get triggered. You don't react from that place. You just get triggered. You notice it within yourself. You deal with it and then you kind of let it go. And what you said is you're still on certain topics, having a hard time letting it go easily and fair play. You know, I think that's the process. But the reason that I wanted you to talk about it, because I don't know that we get to that state, like the Dalai Lama, where nothing bothers us. I I don't know, you know, right. That's aspirational. But I think that just being aware of the kind of steps to, to mark your progress is important to talk about because we, we don't talk about that a lot. The reality of what it actually looks and feels like. Oh, for sure. And, and what, what I love about the conversations that we have on this podcast off the podcast is that, you know, you'll hear me say, Oh, well the old me Mm -hmm. or glad I'm where I'm at now, because this is what would have been said or done two, three, five, 10 years ago, you know? So that's me tracking the progress and you know, I've come a very long way from that six-year-old boy um, because I, I was a handful growing up. There was an attitude, a temper. You know, I, I was the kid that threw his helmet when he struck out. You know, that was me. And uh, I never knew where it came from because we weren't taught that. Mm-hmm. And even if anybody asked me, and I'm sure that I mean, I I went to therapy when I was younger. 
Um, I don't remember how long, I don't remember who, I don't, I don't remember much, but, um, even if I was asked, why are you so angry? I probably didn't have an answer then. It didn't take me to have an answer till 35 years old. I think that's a silly question for a therapist to ask a six-year-old. Well, of course, I'm just yeah. saying hindsight. Yeah, right. But I mean, you know? it's silly. But how would a six-year-old understand, oh, well, my father likes my brother or appears to choose my brother, favor my brother over me, and I feel unseen, unheard, and unloved. Like, there is no six-year-old in the world that no, is going to be able to do, be able to do that. Not at all. And to acknowledge that and to accept it is part of the healing process. Because mm-hmm. once again, if we would have known then, we would have done things differently. That's right. If we are wounded by people in our lives that are close to us, there is a certain responsibility that we need to take to say, if the person could have done better, if they would have known more, if they would have had more help, if they would have been taught these things, I have to believe they would not have behaved in these ways. And therefore there is some something that resembles grace in understanding that everybody is fighting a hard battle. Everybody, you know, who is, has a human body is going through something. Yeah. And if they're not going through something right in the moment, there's something in the past that they're, they've gone through. There's something in the future that they're going to go through, you know? And I think, I think that was a big realization I had to have was like, I have to own my shit and what I can and cannot control. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that at the end of the day that I can control is how I act and respond to others. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not worth it. We don't know how long we're here for. We don't know what's going to happen the next hour, day, week. So carrying that weight of negativity in you know, God, it's just fucking exhausting. It, it is truly exhausting. And, and that's what I love about the work that I've put into myself is, is I feel so much lighter. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what, what that means to me is like, I carried so much tension and stress in between my shoulder blades <laughs> that as soon as I started this work and untangling all the knots and all the layers and, and all that extra weight, like I became lighter, that stress went away. And now I know when I'm carrying it again, cause I instantly feel, and I'm like, okay, I need to check in. What, mm-hmm. what, what am I holding on to? That's right. I, that's so beautiful. I have a visual that I think of, and it's a backpack with rocks in it. And I just envision myself taking out a rock of resentment, a rock that represents something else, a rock, you know? And so the backpack is finally like really maybe just a few pebbles left inside and it's really much easier to go through life. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but you got to go through that backpack. Mm -hmm. You got to pick up that heavy rock and see if you need to keep it or let it go. Oh my goodness. Everyone just let it go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It might take a while, (laughs) you know, but it's just not worth holding on to. And, and, you know, I know this conversation was very based in the masculine father wound uh, concept, but this is all relatable to any wound. 
you know, yep. it just, it just came up and, and feathered into, <laughs> into our conversation. Thanks for having this conversation with me, Randy. I know it was uh, not planned, but I think it was a good conversation to have. Well, you I don't know, think we've yeah. ever talked about this. No. And, and once again, you know, I, I will state, I don't have a lot of knowledge and research into <clears throat> the masculine and feminine energy and wounds and all that. But, you know, this is just me honestly talking about stuff that I go through and, uh, Kim will contest to this, that there's not much I'll shy away from. I haven't really turned down a question since I've known you. Have I Kim? No, I might say, let me get back to you. I've never even heard that. One thing I want to tell you is that, so when it feels like I've known you for a lot of years, but maybe I've known you a year and something. Mm -hmm. A little over a year. And in that time, it's pretty incredible, the work that you've done. Thank you. I mean, I don't always see it and think about it. Yeah, we don't. It's pretty incredible because there are people that would live an entire long life and never do this. And so the fact that you've said, yes, okay, I'm on this path. I'm going to do it. The fact that you always lean into the questions and they're not easy. I mean, they're not. And it's just incredible that once you commit to doing this work, how fast things change. Cause like two years ago, if you just think of where you were two years ago, and then you think about today, it's, it's a totally different, I mean, you are Randy and yet you are not that Randy anymore. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, hands down, it's, uh, just to think two years ago or date back a little bit further, like two and a half years ago to be like, this is where you're going to be. I would have laughed on, on, on the whole, the whole spectrum, not just doing the work, but like to be where I'm at and to, to be involved in the things I am and the people that I've met uh, since then, like I would have laughed and probably said some rude stuff to me. Um, <laughs> no, based off what you said, I, I, how you used to be, but so that, but that's here. The th- that's, that's still the thing though, is like, I've never, I was never rude to people. I didn't know if I had known you, um, that's all I'm saying. And I said, Randy, you're never going to believe this in two. Oh yeah. I would have laughed at you. Probably yeah. told you to F off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what that. I thought you meant like, as far as I was no. like, I still got, I still got values and no, I totally like, get it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, this is crazy. And, and, you know, I think, I think the reason why I have no problem having these conversations and, you know, showing, showing others who I am, so easily is is because it goes back to what I always talk about is curiosity and and it's it's not just thinking about the curiosity it's it's a leading with the curiosity mm-hmm. and I, I you know how can you know being being a life coach and and working with men you know how can I ask them to do something that I won't do. And in this, I want to say that even the biggest, strongest, most alpha male 
would be brought to his knees by the shit you've been through. Oh, no doubt about it. And might not even do it. Might even run away crying, saying like, no, I can't. I can't. I cannot face myself. I've seen my demons. Yeah. So I've seen it. I've seen. um, You know, I'm not going to put his name out there, but he was a man's man. Power lifter, huge guy. And we had several conversations and he was like, yes, I want you as a coach. And, you know, me asking difficult questions, I quit hearing from him. Mm -hmm. He was a man's man, alpha male, and he, he chose not to do the work. Okay. So here's something, this is so controversial. So I'm just going to pose it as a question rather than a statement. Okay. When we talk about the alpha male, are we saying that these men have not done the work? Are there alpha men that have done the work? And, and I would say like, I know people that say that they're an alpha male that have done the work. So full disclosure, full disclosure. uh, I don't really believe in the alpha male. I, I, I have a hard time grasping. I think it's an old concept, but to answer the question with the context of alpha males, I do think there are alpha males that have done the work, but they don't look like alpha males in the society that we were brought up in. Mm. So tell me the difference. Okay. So for me to associate to an alpha male, it is actually doing this work and Uh it is being the most authentic self you can be and being a light in this time the old alpha male was the breadwinner you know the cream of the crop the you know look at me this is what i have you know like let me rip my shirt off and and show you know so and once again this is just my take of it you know, this, this may sit with you and it may not, that's fine. Um, please, please reach out to me and let's have a conversation around it because I'm curious, just like you're curious to know my take. I want to know everybody else's, but, um, it's hard for me to associate into the alpha and beta, beta males and and all that. So for me, the, the, the men that are doing this work and that are, are giving back and shining their light. Uh, that's what I associate as an alpha male now. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I I do agree with you too. And it's so easy to see. Like, it's so easy to see in in the world, you know, people who are self-proclaiming or, you know, looking like the old school alpha male. And really, you can just see that it's not there. So I like what you said. I love it. It might not sit well with everybody, but that's, that's okay. what I was saying. It's really <laughs> controversial. We're really going out on a limb here. Well, it, it's it. This is me uh, answering without any external noise. This is all my take, you know, and you may agree. You may not. That's fine. I respect you. You know, here, it, you know, you want you want to you want to contest it and, and have a conversation without hear you out. I'll hear anybody out. Cause I'm curious to know, like, that's, what's so great 
about where I'm at is, is leading with curiosity allows me to have conversation without trying to win the conversation. No one has to be right in a conversation. Right. Why can't we just have a conversation? We do. Oh, we do. But not everybody has uh, conversations to to hear the other person. They're trying to prove their point and get them to to see their side and and accept it. Yeah, I like this better. It's it's so much easier. It is so much easier. It's so much, so much less effort and so much less energy and so much more fulfilling. So it's just well, you can also learn a lot more when you have your your defense down. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I want to learn stuff too. I'm really, I'm really grateful for, for your willingness to do this conversation with me. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it soon. (laughs) If this episode resonated with you or made you think about someone, you know, Please pay it forward and like, subscribe, and share it. We appreciate it.